Welcome to the Kaleidoscope of Possibilities, Alternative Perspectives on Mental Health. My name is Dr. Adriana Popescu. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist and leader in the field of mental health, energy psychology, addiction, trauma, and empowerment. In this podcast, we will be exploring mental health from a variety of perspectives, from the spiritual to the shamanic and beyond. What if mental illness isn't everything we think it is? What if everything we see as a pathology is actually a possibility? What else is possible with mental health? Hi everyone, Dr. Adriana Popescu here with you today with another episode of Kaleidoscope of Possibilities, Alternative Perspectives on Mental Health. It's just me today because I wanted to talk with you guys about a topic that is really quite near and dear to me and is something that really infiltrates all the work that I do, whether it's doing sessions with clients, whether it's um, teaching workshops, whether it is educating and training other therapists and healing professionals. But one of really my top objectives is to empower people. I consider myself an empowerment coach, and it really does seep through all the work that I do. So what do I mean by empowerment? Well, With empowerment, what I'm really looking at is empowering people to know what they know and to know that they know. This is the tagline, if you will, from a modality I practice called Access Consciousness. So many of the different modalities that I work with really function from a very fundamental perspective that we have within ourselves all that we require to heal ourselves and to create whatever it is that we desire. That, in other words, we are really our only um, worst enemy. We are only the ones that are stopping ourselves, okay? So, um, so much I think of where this comes from is really from what we learn growing up. Um, You know, another modality that I work with is called conscious recovery. And um, my good friend and colleague, TJ Woodward and I, and he's been on the show before a couple times, And um, one of the things that he talks about in his books, Conscious Being, Conscious Recovery, Conscious Creation, is how we come into this world fundamentally whole and perfect, right? There is actually nothing wrong with us. You would never look at a young child or a baby and say, oh, that kid's defective or that kid's not enough. There's something wrong with that kid. We don't see that in children. Usually what we see is their joy, their happiness. They're just little bundles of love and light. We are born with that very same essence, the sense of perfection and wholeness. Um, When children are playing and they're just very present and in the moment and they're laughing and enjoying themselves and they're curious and interested in the world around them, um, you know, if their friend pushes them and knocks them down, they might cry for a minute and then they get up they start playing again and there's no resentment and they don't hold a grudge against that kid and they don't um, dwell on the past. They don't worry about the future. They're just very present, very here, very embodied in their bodies um, and till they're not. (laughs) Until we all go through this process that Don Miguel Ruiz, the guy who wrote The Four Agreements, talks about being the domestication of the human. 
how we come to believe things about ourselves, uh, the programs that we learn. And we get this from everywhere, the messages that are telling us how we're supposed to look, how we're supposed to act, how we're supposed to be in the world based on the color of our skin, um, our gender, um, our socioeconomic status, all of that, you know, is giving us messages all the time. Um, we get the messages from our families, from our schools. Uh, if we were grow up with some sort of religion or other kind of, um, you know, belief system, spiritual belief system, it comes from the TV and Hollywood and media and now social media. We're constantly getting these messages about how we are supposed to be in the world. And this is how we learn how to judge, right? That's really gonna be the core kind of topic here in this conversation is judgment. Some of you heard me say before, judgment is the greatest source of human suffering. Judgment is not real, it is invented. Only humans do it. You don't see animals, plants, trees, judging themselves, judging you. They're like, ooh, don't sit next to me. You know, don't lean up against me. The tree doesn't think that. Um, your animals do not say, ooh, that dress looks really bad on you. You should wear something different. Like They're not judging you. Um, it is purely a human construct. And my sense of it is, you know, from having studied a lifetime's worth of psychology and sociology and anthropology is that we learned these things and they didn't always exist here. Um, somewhere along the way, someone figured out how to control others and they figured out a really good way to do it is through judgment and through fear, uh, intimidation and shame. So dogma came out, belief systems came out. I love it, TJ always calls belief systems BS systems. Um, we developed these BS systems and in history, you know, there were certain groups of people that might've been interested in controlling other groups of people because it benefited them in some way. Um, it benefited them financially, it benefited them sexually. For example, you know, it wasn't always patriarchal around here. Um, at one point, women had a lot more power and then they didn't, they became more like second class citizens. You had other people who were considered property and were made slaves. Um, you know, throughout history, it's this judgment of others as being different than and being separate from, and then putting this value on uh, of good or bad or right or wrong. You know, you are lesser than or you're bad based on whatever arbitrary thing, the color of your skin, um, your body size. That's that at some point became significant. And it's so arbitrary because if you actually look throughout history, you know, there was a time when people were curvier and that was considered very attractive in, in Rubens times, right? You look at the paintings and everyone's kind of roly poly. That was considered attractive. Um, even in cultures today, in some parts of the world, in some of the Pacific islands, you see people who are larger and that is again, considered a very attractive quality because it means you have food, you have resources, you're able to feed yourself. Um, that's considered a good thing. And then at some point in time, you know, 60s skinny mini Twiggy came into vogue and that was considered attractive. And in the nineties, we had another version of it called heroin chic. So, you know, even body shape, size, fashion, all of those things are completely subject to change. They're completely arbitrary. There is no gold standard. Look at a piece of art. You might think it's the most beautiful thing in the world and I think it's really ugly. Who's to say one of us is right, one of us is wrong, right? Same with like a movie. You know, you love it, I hate it. 
is one of our opinions somehow more valuable than the other? So what happens is when you're bombarded with all these judgments, when you come to doubt yourself and you start to believe maybe there's something wrong with me because I don't look like everyone else and I'm not as thin as everyone else and whatever it is, you start making yourself wrong. And when you start making yourself wrong and you doubt yourself, you also start doubting your knowing. This is really how these core false beliefs form. They end up really, you know, over time becoming more and more concretized, as my friend TJ likes to say, meaning we will look for the evidence to confirm what we believe about ourselves in the world to be true. It's called confirmation bias. So for example, um, if I believe that I am unlovable or that everyone leaves me, what am I going to attract into my world, right? I will attract people, places, situations that will mirror back to me that I'm in fact unlovable. So maybe I choose the unavailable partner who's like, you know, either in a relationship with someone else or they're just emotionally unavailable in some way. Um, or, you know, I, I, I had a pattern in college where I kept picking like older guys who are about to graduate, you know, and just as we're getting started in our relationship, they have to leave. Why? Well, because I actually didn't believe that I deserved to have a happy relationship or that it was even possible because I was the child of divorced parents that went through a very ugly, um, I didn't see them when they were happy. Let's put it that way. Um, they went through a really ugly separation and divorce. And I thought that's what relationships were supposed to be. I even reenacted that in one of my relationships in my late 20s. Um, it was a total reenactment for both of us of what we had learned from our parents about relationships. And so we seek out situations over and over again where we repeat the patterns and then we get to say, oh, well, look, it happened again. Another person left me. See, I must really be unlovable. And these beliefs get solidified for us. So what I see is a lot of disempowerment that comes from that, where people have gotten really disconnected from themselves, from their true fundamental essential self, um, what in access consciousness we call uh, our infinite being, right? You are a soul, a spirit, whatever you wanna call it, you are an entity that is in fact infinite. And when you come here and you take on a body um, and you learn all these things about yourself that maybe aren't true or you just adapt oh this is how everyone else functions around here i guess i got to be like that you in some ways make yourself smaller you diminish yourself and you cut off parts and pieces of yourself right because if you know you're a kid who grows up being told you're too much you better turn it down i was one of those kids you know then i started tampering tamping it down a bit you know i kind of learned to keep my mouth shut in certain situations and so i wasn't fully being my authentic self. So over time, you keep cutting off, off parts and pieces of yourself, you're gonna to start to feel pretty fragmented. You might start feeling broken. It might lead you to some behaviors that are not very healthy. You know, you might try to soothe the pain of that kind of disconnect, um, which TJ in his Conscious Recovery books calls, calls spiritual disconnection. You might start to um, seek solace from that through drugs and alcohol or food or sex or some other kind of behavior or material success. You know, people get so addicted to money and job titles and the next promotion or whatever it is. Um, you're looking outside of yourself 
to fill something that feels empty or disconnected or broken on the inside. So in my job as an empowerment coach, I'm looking at really the, the real thrust of it is to look at how are people seeing themselves and the world? What are the lenses through which they are seeing themselves and others? What kinds of limiting or false beliefs are they functioning from? What are the programs that are usually below your conscious awareness? They're usually in your subconscious that you're not even aware of. You know, I was working with someone today on um, his issues with money, you know, and, and never seeming to have enough money. And there was just this huge treasure trove of uh, information. Some of it was going back in time with family, you know, like his parents uh, limiting views about money grandparents, you know, you can go back and, and all of us back in our history and our, in our, our ancestry, probably somewhere have poverty, famine, um, died of starvation, were part of the stock market crash and lost everything. Um, we have that. And what we now know from the study of epigenetics is that traumatic experiences change the way our DNA functions. Uh, can actually alter it. And the trauma gets passed down from generation to generation through our genetics, through our DNA. Um, the good news about that, <laughs> the flip side of it, is that we can actually change that with tools like energy psychology, other kinds of energy-based modalities, anything that allows us to get to the energy of that um, dysfunctional belief, or trauma or whatever it is, because it's all energy, whether it's a thought, an emotion, a physical sensation, right? All of those are various forms of energy. What we're doing is essentially with these tools, getting to the root of where this thing came from and then shifting the energy around it so that it no longer has to create a limitation or a stuckness, an energetic contraction of some sort. Um, so yeah, we can look at the ancestry, if you're someone who is open to, you know, the idea of other lifetimes, often there's the stuff there we drag around with us from lifetime to lifetime. Some of us have these karmic ideas that, oh, well, because I had to use the money example, uh, you know, I had a lot of money and I abused my power with it. So I'm never going to do that again because something bad happened as a result. Maybe I got killed for it. Maybe, you know, um, I did evil things and now I think I need to be punished. So I'm not going to allow myself to have money. People have all kinds of crazy ideas. And then, you know, people have judgments. Uh, they see people out in the world who maybe have a lot of money and they act like assholes. And so they're like, well, I don't want to have money because then I'm going to turn into an asshole. I don't want to be that. Um, so these belief systems are often at the root of the disempowerment. It is what they are, these limiting points of view are what are stopping us from having a life that we would like to have. And one of the things that I have realized in doing so much work on myself in the last 20 plus years and working with thousands of other clients and watching people I know who use these tools, my friends and loved ones and whoever, um, what I now know is that anything is changeable. Anything is possible. Really, we are the only ones standing in our own way. Now, that doesn't mean that we can get other people to do what we want, okay? They also have free will and choice. I'm talking more about our own choices and the ways in which we choose to limit ourselves. That is the disempowerment. So when I'm working with people, I'm looking at, you know, what are the limiting points of view that you have? What are those creating for you? And then how do we change it? 
How do we get you energetically congruent with what it is that you're asking for? How do we, um, how do we know if it's, if you even desire what you say you want? I mean, you know, as little girls, a lot of us are programmed to believe that we want the Prince Charming and he's going to be tall, dark and handsome. And, you know, we get all these ideas um, from fairy tales and Hollywood and stuff. And we think that's how it's supposed to be. But is that really what you want? Like what's actually true for you? Not what were you programmed with your whole life, but what is actually true for you? What brings you joy? What, when do you feel happy? When are those moments? And they might just be little glimmers, little moments when you actually do feel like you're being your true self. To me, when we are in our true being, that is when we are the most empowered. For me, um, when I'm facilitating folks, when I'm doing sessions, when I'm on this podcast, when I'm uh, teaching a workshop, I feel most like myself. And that's when I feel the most empowered. And um, it's even funny when you look at, at the word empowered, um, I'm power, I am power, empower, I am power. Like to me, they almost sound like the exact same statement. And, and I love also the one uh, from impossible to I'm possible, right? That's a big empowerment concept. Most of us are functioning from this, you know, limiting belief that whatever I want, that's impossible. Other people can have that, but I can't have that. Says who? Only you right? So how can we get you from the space of impossible to I am possible and anything is possible? What if life is full of infinite possibilities? So if you'd like to find out more about this topic, I have a ton of stuff out there on all my different platforms, my social media, um, my website, Facebook, Instagram, you name it, I'm on it. <laughs> <laughs> you're obviously listening to this podcast now, so you know that. Uh, and I'm in the process of getting a book out in the world um, and more to come on that. But in this book, I talk about how we come to believe lies about ourselves and what we can do to change them. And, uh, uh, and I look at it through various lenses. I look at it through the traditional psychology lens, through the lens of energy psychology, and through the lens of access consciousness, because all three of these different methodologies or perspectives, if you will, um, have been super empowering for me in overcoming my limited beliefs and my points of view that were holding me back uh, from having a life that I really wanted. You know, some of you know my story. I was deathly ill with Lyme disease and chronic fatigue syndrome and multiple chemical sensitivities. And I'd become allergic to everything in my environment. And I mean, I was a mess. I spent most of grad school lying on the floor in class. Um, I couldn't even sit up. Uh, but in learning how to, in coming to understand that I wasn't a victim of this disease, when I started realizing that I could look at what in me allowed this thing to take hold in me, what was I choosing? How was I living my life in a way that allowed um, these little microbial things to attack and for my system to get broken down. Uh, once I realized I actually had a say-so in that creation, I didn't make myself wrong for it. I learned not to do that and like blame myself for having made myself sick. Instead, I saw it as the first kind of piece of empowerment. Like, okay, well, if I created this, I can also change it. I can create something different. 
And so I dedicated myself to the pursuit of finding the most effective strategies, techniques, uh, approaches, tools to be able to do that have profoundly transformed my life and my health, my body, uh, my money, reality, all of it has changed dramatically. And now I know that anything truly is possible and that all the things that I've asked for in my life have eventually shown up, um, which was a real eye-opener. It's like, wow, that is hugely empowering to know that years ago, I might've put it out there that I wanted something. And now all these years later, it's finally showing up. And it can go a lot quicker than that if you actually are willing to receive what it is you're asking for. And that's the piece. I actually talked about this in another podcast episode. That's the piece around um, being uh, psychologically reversed. When you say you want something, but you're, you hold subconscious beliefs that are actually blocking you from having it. So um, once I realized that was happening, that I had mixed conflicting realities around, I want this, but I don't actually think I can get it, or I want this, but I don't think I deserve it, or I really like to have this, but I'm not going to allow myself to because that would be too easy, and I have to work really, really hard for it. All kinds of crazy ideas that I inherited some of who knows where I got them from. And even if you don't know where you got your crazy beliefs from, you can still change them with these tools. So that is really my mission, if you will, with the empowerment coaching that I do, um, with educating people and giving them information. That is another way to have empowerment is by informing yourself. Don't just believe what is told to you. Live in the question. Live as the question. Questions empower. Answers disempower. Okay, so ask lots of questions. Answers lead you to, con to conclusion and often cut off possibilities. So you wanna ask things like what else is possible? Right? What other way is there to look at this? Um, what other choices do I have available here? These are all empowering questions that you can use to start changing your point of view and changing your reality. So I have classes, I have workshops, I have lots of resources available to you please do check out my website, adrianapopescu.org. And today was a little quickie, just a short episode to let you know um, that however fucked up you may think you are, um, what if you're not as fucked up as you think you are? What if you actually can change whatever it is you've decided you can't change? What else truly is possible for you? What are the infinite possibilities for creating a life in a reality totally beyond what you've known so far. So thanks for tuning in today. Dr. Adriana Popescu with you. See you next time on another episode of Kaleidoscope of Possibilities, Alternative Perspectives on Mental Health. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Kaleidoscope of Possibilities, Alternative Perspectives on Mental Health. This has been Dr. Adriana Popescu. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe and share with others. To find out more about me, my guests, and more, please visit my website at adrianapopescu.org. See you next time.